Hi, this is Donnie from Team Sobel. And on behalf of the entire team, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Just a heads up before we begin this first episode, we are learning and experimenting how to do a podcast. So apologies in advance for any sound or audio issues over the next couple episodes, but we are learning, we're experimenting, and I hope you enjoy this interview with Brent Lowe as much as I had making it. Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of Sobel Sessions, the Future of Work podcast. Very excited to have Brent Lowe here uh, from Base Associates and the co-author of the new book, Lead Together. Brent, thanks. Real pleasure to be here, Donnie. So hoping you could start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you ended up doing what you're doing now and where you're uh, talking from. Yeah, for sure. So uh, first off, I'm located just outside of Toronto. And uh, I started originally as a founder back in high school. And I was a founder for over a decade. So I started kind of entrepreneur, did my own thing, and then switched over into HR in the you know, traditionally what HR means to most of us and did that for almost a decade, all in founder led companies. And then about for my third decade of work, I started into uh, what we're going to talk about today, I guess, is new ways of working. And so along the way, as I've started to explore and understand and start to become a, a uh, you know, a thought leader, I guess, in the space a little bit. I've written a few books along the way, and um, we just uh, just put out our latest ones. So, so that's uh, that's kind of the work. And and now, along with um, with the book that's out, we do a lot of work as a team on uh, with with companies that are stepping into these new ways of working, and uh, helping them bring it to life in their own organizations. Awesome. So I think that's a good segue into. I think the main theme of this podcast and what we're trying to do at Sobel is trying to understand the future of work. Uh, so what do you define as the future of work and how did you arrive at that specific definition? So even though I've written two books on the topic, I still find it difficult to succinctly describe uh, my version of the future of work. What I, I can do is tell you what it's not, and I can tell you some of the core elements of what I think it is and what we, we believe as, as co-authors. Um, so the world that I come from and what I don't think the future of work is, is the traditional hierarchy, strong power at the top, uh, where traditionally information would flow from the bottom of the hierarchy to the top, where a few smart people would make some decisions, turn that information around and send it back down. Um, so very uh, kind of prescriptive, top-down, power-heavy-at-the-top type approach. So that uh, approach maybe served us at a certain time uh, in, in kind of our, our evolution of work. Um, but now with the speed that we're moving uh, as organizations and the fact that most of our work now is knowledge-based work. Uh, so it used to be a lot of hands-on uh, type work and and now it's much more a lot more creativity and and thought is required and so uh, the, the elements that are emerging and I think there's there's lots of different words out there to describe it so teal self-managing self-organizing going horizontal agile 
you name it, I could probably come up with 20 given enough time of, of names. We call it in our book, Leading Together. And, uh, but ultimately they're all, the concepts are all the same. They all are based on a few core principles. One is that there's a shift to more self-management. So individuals uh, self-managing in their roles rather than having uh, really strong direction coming from above in a hierarchy. Um, this sense of wholeness and uh, the ability to bring our, our whole selves to work, which has been really interesting right now with what's going on in the world. Uh, you know, we used to go to work and so we could have a work persona and a home persona, but now with most of us working from home, it's kind of all the same thing. So you're seeing people, people's kitchens and their families and their pets. And, and so that's that, that kind of concept of we are really one person and, and bringing our whole selves to work. And then the third is this, this sense of evolving purpose. So tuning into what is really needed in the world now and uh, being able to um, pursue or, or sense into those things and then uh, build businesses and, and work toward achieving those those purposes as they evolve. So, so I would say that those are kind of the, the, some of the core elements. It's definitely involves a shifting of power, a different way that we choose to work together, um, and uh, you know, a real kind of move away from the traditional hierarchy approach. Yeah, awesome. And I, th I think we're very aligned on those definitions. But we we meet a lot of people, and it and it sounds good. People love the idea of what we're talking about, but then I think the when they try to implement it or try to change, they find it very hard. So what have you seen as kind of the barriers to doing this? Because I agree, I love having my work persona and my self home persona being the same person because then I just feel like my much more authentic self. But there's I still feel like there's so many barriers. So what have, what have you seen and how do you help people overcome those? Yeah. I can just talk about my own experience. You know, I spent a good portion of my career as the person who was building those power hierarchies that I said are going away and uh, building a lot of the, implementing a lot of the types of uh, processes and systems and relationships and organizations, which I now have come to realize are really uh, unhealthy. And there's this process I think we need to go through, and I'm certainly still on this journey myself, where there's step one is the intellectual process of understanding what, um, what, what, what is this new way of working? What could it be like? So, you know, we can read some books and listen to some podcasts and things to kind of get our head around it. And uh, that's perhaps the easiest step. The next step is the emotional step of, realizing that, oh, I have actually, I have to shift and I have to change. So even if intellectually I know, oh, I don't want to put on a mask when I go to work, or I don't, I don't like this power thing, I want to get rid of that. Um, when it comes to realizing that, oh, I have to do something different, uh, and I have to show up different, I have to shift, then there's a lot of emotional stuff that comes up. We have, uh, you know, we all carry around a backpack of uh, experienced and uh, beliefs and values and emotions and so we have to work through that and then the third piece is the ability to um, 
actually shift our habits. So even after we've done those first two things, I equate it a lot to learning a new language. So if uh, I'm an English speaker, if I went to learn French, which I've done a little bit of, then you know, if you were to ask me a question in French, I'd convert that to English, think through an answer in English in my head, then figure out how to convert my answer back to French and relay it to you. And I think a lot of our habits are that way as you know, we're so ingrained in the way that we, we work that we have to pause and think, oh, okay, how would I do this before? And how do I wanna do this going forward? And I, do I even know how to do that? And uh, so it's uh, it, those three steps are very iterative. So I've been around that circle a few times, learning some, going through the emotional journey, changing some of my habits, then learning some more. And uh, so it's, I think for a lot of us, and I had this experience of picking up a book, reading a book, the, the book that I read was Reinventing Organizations. I know it's been you know, pivotal for a lot of- um, It's the classic in the space. It's, yeah. it's the classic, right? And so, you know, I read that book, in, super excited. This is how we need to be working going forward. I was really super convinced. Uh, but that didn't mean that all of a sudden I started to work that way. You know, it's been a long journey of unpacking the ways that I learned before and starting to learn and integrate in my, my own day-to-day -day life the, the new elements and then challenging some of those things and seeing like, is this working for me? Maybe I need to try something else, watching other people, observing how they do it uh, and, and taking it on board. So, um, so I think that, you know, for some people, it's a real challenge just to get over the, the, uh, uh, the initial um, theoretical bits. Uh, some people just, it's like, I don't see it, I don't understand. I think the system we have now is fine. If you can get past that, then into the emotional and then into the habits. What do you say to people who maybe are so accustomed to having a manager or somebody to tell them exactly what to do and they like that. And because of that reason, they're hesitant to embrace this new style of working because they think maybe they won't have that direction that they, that they need to do their work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, in this new way of working, we can still rely on people around us who have more experience, more skill, uh, to help guide and direct us as uh, as we go, and you know, I was talking with my co-authors about this the other day, where we're heading into a period now where the book has just come out. We're starting to to share the book, communicate the book, market the book. That is not something that any of us know anything about, and that we have really any expertise or a lot of energy for, and so we've asked somebody else to help us. And you know, my co-author Susan said, I am quite happy to just have somebody tell me what to do in this instance. And so, so there's still that opportunity to do that. And at the same time, I think we all, as we step into this new way of working, we need to reflect on how do, what's our natural style of how we show up at work? And where could we develop? So some of us are really used to being the person who always tells other people what to do. And we need to learn that, oh, okay, you know, I, I maybe overuse that skill too much. And then there are others who are really used to everybody, somebody else telling them what to do. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe I overuse that a bit much. So there's a 
you know, more coming towards uh, the middle um, and recognizing what it is that our, our preferences are and making sure that those around us know that and, and helping to shape the system accordingly so that it works for us. Yeah, I, I like to think of it as a spectrum. There's not necessarily one right way to run a self-managed team or a teal organization. Uh, and, and also the, the idea that even within industries, you have different cultures. So the way you kind of have a team-led or people-led organization would be different across that is, is what I'm, I always like to think when I, when I talk to people. Um, yeah. I would, if I could just add to that, like, you know, I often talk about it and it's why I really struggle with the first question around. So exactly what is the future of work? Because every organization that I work with has a slightly different version. They're all kind of on the same track. They have, they share some similar beliefs. Um, We often in our work with companies, we'll, we'll call it the company name way of working. And so each company, so, you know, in, in, at Sobel, it's like, okay, what's the Sobel way of working for the team at Sobel? And uh, we have that kind of methodology for all of our companies because each one is just a little bit different, a little bit nuanced. Definitely. Um, Two-part question. Yeah. About large orgs versus small orgs. Because I think when I talk to people about this, they're like, oh, well, if you start as a small org, with this way of working, it's much easier than to be a large org organization and make this transition. So first part, have you seen a large org successfully kind of trick change the way they run their business into this new future of work style? Yeah. So first, the, the caveat at the beginning of this answer is in my work, I work primarily with smaller organizations. So okay. most of my experience is in that space. And in that space, you know, we have one of our clients has been around for 40 years, 35 of those years, they worked the traditional way. And five years ago, they changed. And, um, you know, it's, as with any change, there's some challenges through that, but ultimately, has it been good for the business, they're having their best year in their company history, and their team is uh, their their uh, employee satisfaction, team satisfaction scores are, are through the roof. Um, with larger organizations, it becomes more complicated to do an entire organization just because it's so many people. And so in the large organizations, what I see is more se- uh, as being more successful is when a specific team decides that they want to do something different. And then it kind of radiates out naturally from there. So I think it's very hard to take a really big organization and push it through uh, a a process like this. Uh, I think that's hard in any size organization, but just especially hard in a larger organization. So um, a lot of, we we often get the question around, you know, so how, how do you go about this? Like, do you just kind of, um, as the saying goes, rip the bandaid and, go all the way to you start small with little little tweaks um i've seen organizations do all everything uh from one end of the spectrum to the other but generally it's finding a group of people who have energy and are excited to try this new way of working they're they're ready to sign on and say yeah let's give it a shot let's let's experiment and then just letting that radiate out into the organization from there and what are the biggest, let's call them missteps, maybe an org making this switch 
would find themselves in that would maybe make the transformation difficult? Mm -hmm. Often there are one or two people in the organization that get really excited uh, about this way of working, especially if it's a, a, an established organization. And so they'll do all the reading, uh, they'll watch all the podcasts, uh, read all the blogs, and then come into the organization with a ton of energy and start to make all these changes, try, you know, try to initiate change in the organization where everybody else is just coming to work to do another day, you know, to, to work today like they did yesterday. And so there's a, a big knowledge gap between those who have been doing all the reading and research and those who haven't. And the, um, it's often, it's, it's why a lot of the work that we do as an organization, why we get called in is because we help to coach and train the rest of the team on that journey where maybe a few of the, the uh, early adopters have already made that, that leap. So I think, uh, you know, maybe to, to reframe that is the, um, it, it's a lack of investment in coaching and training, uh, education. And, and that's, it's hard to, to insert all of that into a business because you're already busy just trying to run the business just trying to move the ball forward. And now there's this entire another layer uh, around the way of working, which people have to learn. So um, don't underestimate how much work is needed, how much support is required to help a team make the step. And if you don't have the right people on the team that can do that, that can invest the time, then find someone else who can help the team to do that. And where does maybe people with titles or positions of power not wanting to give up those titles or positions of power get in the way? Is, is that something you encounter often? Uh, yes, it, it certainly can come up and it depends on where the organization is at in its journey. So if an organization is starting pretty small and deciding to grow in this way of working, then a lot of that doesn't really uh, matter too much. But if it's a larger organization that's been around for a long time and people have held roles and I, um, have identified themselves with those roles, then it can be challenging. And the reality is some people might not be able to make it through that journey. Uh, it might just be too hard. And so, um, you know, with organizations that have gone through the, um, the, the change, there's a bit of a, over time, there becomes an acceptance with, this isn't for everybody, and that's okay. We're building an organization that is where, for people that really, that, that really are in, um, and some people won't be, and it'll, you know, the, the, there's another organization for them. Um, so that's, that's a challenging thing for people to get their heads around on this journey, um, but sometimes it's a necessity and good for everyone involved. You think there'll be a, a breakout moment for leading together style working or something that will make it more into the mainstream besides the Zapposes of the world uh, and, the, and the case studies and reinventing organizations? What, what do you think we're waiting for the space to bring this forward? 
there's part of me that wonders if we're actually in it right now. Um, you know, the, the shift um, when, you know, before the pandemic, before COVID, there were people going to offices every day in a routine that was well established. And I had some organizations that I was working with that, you know, people had been 10 years doing basically the same thing, come to the office every day, same time, sit at the same desk, all of that, right? And um, with, with the, the pandemic and the, just the overall shift in how people have had to work at home, obviously hasn't been ideal for everyone and hopefully is not the long-term game. But what it has done is it's really shifted how we um, think about work, uh, how we define what's, what's the start of a day and at the end of a day, um, how much do we have to be in the same room to communicate. Uh, and as part of that, what's coming along is, okay, so how do we do a good meeting? For example, you know, we came into boardrooms before we just sat around and the meetings happened. And often we all know that they weren't very good, but nobody, there was no disruption. Now that we're having so many Zoom meetings, um, people are starting to really get curious about, oh, how do we do this well? Um, so I think that there's, there's part of a shift that's underway now. And as we hopefully, you know, transition back uh, somewhat into physical spaces. I don't think we'll ever go back to the way it was before, but I think there'll be some kind of hybrid mix that, that emerges um, that the, the dynamic will, will shift. And one of the things is in the, the more traditional hierarchy, a lot of the way that work got managed in the past was by washing people. So, oh, I can look over your shoulder, you're at your desk, you're not at your desk. You have a spreadsheet on your screen, you have Facebook on your screen, you know, all the, that type of thing. And now it's, we have to trust that people are working um, and that people are going to sort things out on their own, uh, which is so much a part of the lead together philosophy. And um, so I think, fingers crossed, that we might be in one of the, the big shifts right now. Cool. And I, I think you bring up a really good point that even I sometimes forget is we try to move people to this new paradigm of work, forgetting they actually don't even know how to probably run a meeting effectively and efficiently. And I've definitely worked at, you know, a big tech company that starts with a G where I felt like the meeting was just about saying something so your manager would hear you speak as opposed to being a, a good use of everyone's time. So kind of almost yeah. getting the basics right also is important uh, to make yeah. the switch to this absolutely absolutely and that's that's the the beauty of it is that there are so many uh, we call them micro practices just little things that you can do differently that have a pretty transformational impact on how a business runs so you know for example uh, with meetings we advocate that any meeting over more than two or three people that there is a a check-in round um, so that, you know, there's a quick question and everybody checks in, could be 20, 30 seconds per person, uh, could even be just a word per person, but it's bringing everybody's voice into the conversation where before often you could just come into a meeting, sit down, the person who chaired the meeting or, or called the meeting will chair the meeting. They'll do all the talking and everybody will leave. And there, there are people in the room who their voice isn't heard even once. And so when you do a check-in round and you just bring everybody into the space, it shifts the dynamic of 
uh, what's uh, what 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 happens in the meeting itself. Well, and um, I'm assuming we can find out more about the micro transformations in Lead Together. Yes, that's the the foundation of Lead Together is all about how exactly if I wanted to go on this journey, uh, which has been so well, what what the journey is has been so well articulated in other books like Reinventing Organizations that we talked about earlier. What we aspire to do in this book is to say, okay, if I'm a leader and I don't know a lot about this stuff, but I'm keen to try something different, uh, you know, I'm either, I'm, maybe I'm frustrated with how things are working, uh, work isn't as joyful as I would like it to be, I'm a really growth-oriented leader who just wants to try new things, whatever the case is, what would I try? Who else has tried it? And what have they found? And so the book includes uh, stories from 60 different companies and, um, and a lot of step-by-step -step of, okay, if you wanted to do this, here's how you could do it. Everything that we uh, have in the book is just an invitation to experiment. We don't profess that there's any absolute right uh, or wrong way to do anything. It's just a collection of ideas, of things that you can you can try so you could go all in and say i love everything in the book i want to do the whole thing or i just want to turn to chapter 17 and do one thing in that chapter great awesome and i'm assuming the book's available normal uh, avenues uh basically all of the the main online bookstores you should be able to find it awesome and i, I do have one bonus question as the final question go for it since you've been in the space for a long time, written a few books, how do you, if you can remember far back, what do you think's the biggest thing that's changed for you in terms of how you used to think about this space and the future of work and leading together versus where you're at now? First thing that comes to mind is just the, the a lot of the core practices that we have uh, in most businesses and that I was developing for a good portion of my career are all based around a, a paradigm, uh, which is a parent-child, adult-child paradigm. And the real shift for me was going from, oh, there's always kind of somebody in charge, the adult who's telling the child what to do, to one that is peer-to-peer, -peer. it's adult-to-adult. Um, just really shifting that way of seeing the world and thinking about things has been transformational for me. Um, uh, so, and still a journey I'm on. Yeah, it's a, it is a never ending journey trying to figure this stuff out. Sure is. Sure is. Well, thanks, Brent. Really appreciate uh, you being here and uh, the book is Lead Together. Thanks, Donnie. Really appreciated the opportunity.